What is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. All right, we are recording. Episode what? Seventy? Yes, I pushed. Hold on, you pushed the record button. I did. Because what episode is this? We just we, didn't we just go through the whole intro outro and I didn't do it. It's the second time that's happened. I'm I'm gonna ask you every. No, time. You, you don't have to get back to that. No, we're good. Um, no, episode seventy-seven, dude. I think it is seventy-seven. If it's not, I'll I'll re-record double di- it. Double digits. Yeah, seventy-seven. Double, double seven. Yeah, man, seventy-seven. We're uh, this is a jam episode so we're gonna have to keep it short on our intro outro here well last week you teased us and said we're going over the pond so are we going fishing what are we doing no we're, we're going across fishing? the pond we're, well we're, we're doing three things actually we're talking to three individuals on this one episode we're going to talk to three individuals one has come from across the pond and is racing okay. here in the united states who i think you could probably guess who that is one is from here in the states and has raced in the states but is going across the pond to the uk and the third individual is from the uk has raced in the uk and is now putting on races in the UK. Well, I don't, I don't know who that would be. Yeah, we're getting. Who the first? I know who the first two are. Do you? You think you know who they are? I think Oliver Brindley. Yep. The only one that's going over there right now to, to race and to do some schooling would be JL10, Johnny Lewis. Johnny Lewis, the man himself. Yeah. And then the third person, who you might not know that much, but you're going to by the end of this episode, is Anthony Brown. Right. He's the director of the DTRA. I get confused because when I was growing up and cut my teeth i raced for the vdtra which was vintage dirt track racing association so it's similar but a little bit different but i i'm looking forward to this episode i've been telling all my friends what we've been up to this week and and uh you know it's kind of sneaky sneaky but uh, also before we move on to this episode i just want to say thanks to everybody that listened to graham's episode uh she was so excited so I, I just appreciate everybody that reached out to graham told her they listened to her podcast they made her day and i just really appreciate everybody that that did listen and, and reached out to her because she's a very special person to me and it was one of our most listened to episodes so thanks again i gotta tell you i mean that's one that we just had to do at some point i'm glad we uh we got it done and uh i think it went really well i mean that's what like, i wasn't bullshitting it's one of my favorites one of my favorites well, sh- she said that if we would have sent her the questions, she would have thought about them too long, and she would have had different answers. And it wouldn't have been so Graham. Thought, yeah. Uncensored, unfiltered Graham. And that's exactly what we got. I love it. That's right. That's right. Um, one quick thing. I have, to, I have to ask you, and I don't know if you're going to get upset when I ask you this, because I know you're what? bummed about it that you didn't do it, but you, like, the post-race, what's up? Well, I was f***ing hot, and I was f***ing tired, so you're going to have to edit that. <laughs> Uh, it was a it, it was a it was a long day. It yeah. was 97 degrees out, and I didn't get much food, and I was hot, and I just said, "That's it, I'm going to bed." Well, so I went to the pits. I went to the pits with Graham. I saw Heather Debeau. I saw Danny Medine, who used to work with me, and uh, said, you know, said hi and everything. Walked around a little bit, and then I went back to the hotel room, took a cold shower, and went to sleep. Well, now I'm even more bummed because we could have had some Heather Heather Debeau on the show. And anytime we can get some Heather DeBow on the show, you know I'm a happy dude. Um, but I can't, I can't give you too hard of a time because I might have fallen asleep right before the uh, the Twins main. So. <laughs> yeah, because you messaged me. So you, you said the next morning, you said, Dammy, I fell asleep. I think that's what your text message said. I don't know. I can't I, read your I sometimes. I can't your believe it, dude. The one race where JD pulls it off. 
and passes yep. Bauman for the win. He, he tracked. He tracked him down. Briar did start making a few mistakes right there at the end. And I think the lap rider started getting in Briar's head. And uh, JD just tracked him down. And JD was charging really hard and used that front brake. And I think that's the road racing side. Yeah. And what was cool is the last twin Yamaha TT win was back in 1981. Scott Pearson at Peoria. And guess what? What? His number was 95 also. That's pretty badass. I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. No, yeah, I yeah. Uh, I might have passed out right after I saw Janish win the singles race, which was also badass to see him get his second TT win of the season. That's nuts. I did talk to him afterwards. And I should have had I should have had my phone out. Should have been recording, but he said I really didn't think I had the speed. He said, but everything just started clicking, and he's just started being really smooth, and he he pulled it off. He really he said he didn't think he was going to win. It's wow. that purple foot. I'm telling you, it's good luck. God, that big bruised foot. It's insane. He goes out and wins a TT race with a bruised foot. Like, that dude's badass. Yep. Something that we didn't mention, and I didn't know until the, actually race day, that Brian Smith didn't go to Arizona. Yeah. So a lot of people were messaging me during the race, and they stayed back at home, did some testing. I've heard they're, they're switching maybe to a different motorcycle. They're going to do some testing and get ready for the ovals where Brian Smith shines. So it, it surprised me, but yet it didn't surprise me. So uh, a lot of people were asking me where he was at. Yeah, I'm not surprised that, that Brian sat it out. I, I hate, you know, I want to see him at every round, but I, I totally get it. There was a lot of question marks, too, about this track, but dude, I think it helped together and it was looks like some pretty damn exciting racing to watch it it was exciting you know my dad went out there early and, and spent some time with graham and he went out there on wednesday and he said it's a road race on dirt with a few humps huh. and looking at it from that perspective i was like well what does that mean and then when i got out there i kind of figured it out it started taking rubber immediately yeah uh, of course they're still chasing it with the moisture and trying to figure all that stuff out but for a first time event it held together way better than any other track we've ever been to in Arizona. Maybe Tucson a long time ago was was decent, but that's yeah. a different you know, part of Arizona. But it held together. There was no dust. It was hot. Yeah, it was hot. But the people that live out there are used to that. So yeah. I think it was a good move taking us out there, running under the lights. Uh, and I think there's just room to improve for next year and the next year. And I think it's a three-year deal. I think we're definitely going back next year. That's awesome. Yeah, it's only going to get better. Um, and, and, you know, I, th I think in that climate, it's going to be tough no matter where you go in Arizona. Um, so, you know, hats off to uh, to the crew that did all the work. And, you know, Johnny, who, who we're also going to talk to here in this episode, we'll, we'll maybe ask him a couple questions about um, what all went into that track prep. And that's not the only one he's done. He's done, what, three of the four races. He's, he's been working with AFT and consulting on, on getting this these tracks um in the best shape for the riders and you know i'm not on aft's bandwagon i do get paid weekly so i don't work for them like i'm not a, an employee i'm a contract labor kind of sorta so i'm not going to jump on the bandwagon but i think what they did reaching out to johnny lewis who wasn't going to ride these three rounds having him come in as a consultant was a good move i like it i because he's yeah. been out there recently he knows what we need on these racetracks. They've got a new dirt guy who knows sprint cars. He knows dirt, but he doesn't necessarily know what the bikes need on dirt. So he's figuring it out. His, uh, they call him Gilly. That's his last name. But they hired him from Weed Sport, the racetrack up there in New York. Nice. And he's going with us to every race. So I like what they're doing. I like they the hired Johnny Lewis so far for at least three rounds, and uh, we'll see how it goes from here. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Um, so let's let's keep this going because man, it's so there, let's let's talk a little bit about the race that's going on this weekend. 
So I've never been to this race, but there's a race in Willow Springs, California. Yeah. It's a big money race. Digger Helm passed away, but he always put some great big money up. Rod Lake puts money up. A lot of people. Eddie Mulder put, puts big money up. Like I heard a $57,000 purse. That's insane. And two, days, two days of racing. And a lot of the hungry guys will be out there racing. Yeah. Also, a lot of guys that might need to do some testing will go out there. It's a loose track. It's dirt, but it's loose, and it's like a cushion track, kind of like you know, kind of like Lima. Yeah, I was gonna say it might be some prep from for uh, or some practice before they get get there in Ohio on that on that uh, Lima half mile. Absolutely. One other thing before we get into this episode, I just saw yesterday Cody Cop put a picture of his new leathers on his Instagram story. And down on the bottom, around his belly, it said Estenson Racing. So, Ooh. are they trying to lock up the next up-and-comer? they trying to lock him up early? Why Maybe. not? It's great. I like what they're doing. Well, let's jump into this episode. we got three people we're going to talk to. Yeah. Obviously, Oliver Brindley's here. Absolutely. We're going to talk to him first. Johnny Lewis is getting ready to leave. He's actually at the airport. Yeah. And then Anthony Brown, who is over in England. So, yeah. we got three of them. We record them at three different times, but we put them all into the mix and here it goes. Let's go. First up will be Ali. We ca- caught up with him earlier this week uh, when he was, uh, he's actually traveling on the West Coast, you know, so he's a little time difference, but he uh, he was able to uh, hop on the call with us. I think he was actually driving, they were driving his, the RV down the road, heading to uh, heading to Willow, right? They were going to somebody's house to, to prep bikes for, for Willow this weekend. Yeah, they're going to Jimmy Wood's house who does suspension work, which is another good move. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, do a little last minute prep because, you know, from a cushion, from a TT to a cushion, you got to change your setup for sure. So yeah. I think that's a good move going to see John, uh, Jimmy Wood. And then, so he's on the way to Willow. Obviously, Johnny's flying over to England. And uh, man, it's a jam packed episode. Let's hear from Ollie first. Hello. Oliver, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm, I'm all right. Charlie's driving along and uh, cruising through California. Yeah, are you picking up chicks? <laughs> well, I think Charlie wishes so, but. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. We're, we're uh, heading to uh, Jim Woods for uh, the evening, and then we're going to prep bikes. Well, not prep bikes. We've got a little, few things to do in the morning or whatever, and then uh, we head to Willow. But Right on. Have you raced Willow yeah, before? So, yeah, actually two years ago, we uh, I made the trip out for Willow Springs and uh, – which was like my, you know, my rookie pro season or whatever, full season. Great track, you know, really nice. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of big names there to try and beat. So, well, usually there is anyway. We'll see this year, but yeah, good, good testing for Lima and all that. Right. So that does that dirt compare to the the tracks over in, in England at all? The the dirt at Willow Springs. We have maybe one or two tracks. It's like. You know, they're uh, a similar depth of DG or whatever, but the shale or limestone that they that, that's at Willow's pretty deep, and they, they keep it rep. So, yeah, there's one or two tracks back home that you can ride, but the one that's about the same size in uh, Ammonford in Wales is uh, I never really got to ride that too much, but, yeah. Well, that's cool. So you're one of our original OTG guests. We talked to you right after your first full season. Yeah, it's good to be back on my show, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So so we'll talk about AFT here in just a little bit, but the reason we called you is we want to talk about a series that's near and dear to your heart, that series where you cut your teeth on. I'm talking about DTRA. So can, are you free right now to talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready. 
All right. So we've been uh, we'll be chatting with Anthony Brown later in the week, and we want we thought it'd be good to hear from you your thoughts on that series as well. So how old were you when you start, first started riding the DTRA series? Well, even before it was uh, dirt track riders, I started flat track racing back in England uh, in 2000 and uh, must have been 2008, 2009, and uh, it was actually uh, in them days it was. Uh, Peter Bosa was uh, running the, the whole deal, and uh, Anthony took up the DTRA when uh, you know when Pete decided he had enough of the whole thing and wanted to move on with things. And I think the DTRA is real lucky to have Anthony running the show because he does such a great job with it all. It's uh, really breeding a lot of talent, you know, over back home, which is you know I think it's good for the sport. And uh, there's more and more riders turn up every year so it's, I mean I, I kind of wish I could you know go and see a few races this year but uh, obviously I'm busy <laughs> busy stateside so sure sure so how would you explain to an American flat track fan you know how would you explain their series to somebody that's used to American flat track what's the easiest way to explain their flat track series the best way I can explain it is like going to you know a Southern Dirt Track or a California Flat Track Race, you know, a big entry. I mean, there's, so the country is like a very similar size to Florida, but there's around about, you know, 200 riders turn up to each round. I think they're having six to eight rounds a year now. So turnout's real good and strong. It's just like going to an outlaw race, and, but it's our national series or, or the national series in England. So, yeah, it's a pretty pretty relaxed vibe and everyone gets along super friendly would it be closer to like a steve nace amateur race and then throwing a, a pro class or two yeah yeah definitely um i think uh, the, the vintage class is also real big back home so a lot of guys entering in the vintage class but there's uh, i think three adult classes rookie intermediate and pros and uh, there's also uh, what they call a Thunderbike class, which is 600cc plus. It's like the big bike class, but it's, uh, it's one of the, you know, more competitive classes, like, you know, like the pro class. Do you do you get to work with that series, or do you get to ride with uh, those guys at all on the off-season when you're not over here in the United States? My, uh, my friend Toby Hales, who won the DTRA pro class championship, I, you know, I, I ride with him all winter. We ride Bear Motocross. We ride over at Greenfield with uh, George Pickering, you know, another friend of mine who uh, owns the Greenfield Dirt Track. And, uh, we, you know, we go and spin laps together and uh, during the winter when we can. This, uh, you know, George is learning about when he can and can't ride the track, and he's real good at making it rideable, even with the weather and conditions that, <laughs> that we get back at home, so... Yeah, we get to ride quite a bit, but not not with a DTRA so much at these days. I mean, I wish I could, but see everyone that I I grew up riding with. I got you. So, who are some of the names and some of the riders we should be on the lookout for with the DTRA? You know, for sure, um, Toby Hales. He's my age, and he's uh, he's going real strong. But uh, there's also some Spanish riders racing over back home right now, and uh, Perrin Sastre and uh, Jared Baylor, and they're strong competitors, it seems like. So, 
I mean, I follow it, but only only over the live videos that are posted up on race day. Also, um, Gary Birtwistle, so Alan Birtwistle's younger brother, who's uh, just won the last round, and he's, you know, really keen to learn about sport. He's goes well, super consistent, and a really nice kid too. So, yeah, there's there's a few kids coming through. Let's talk yeah. some American flat track now. You've had some changes in your program for 2019. Uh, talk about your mechanic, Charlie. Me and Charlie sort of linked up towards the end of last year and before uh, Penn, oh, Springfield, before Springfield. And uh, I was sort of looking for, me, for a mechanic, and uh, Charlie actually reached out to me halfway through the year saying, you know, if, if you ever need anyone, you know, I'm, I'm here, you know, and which was, you know, huge to, like, us, like me and my family or whatever. And uh, I was sort of struggling for a mechanic or someone to help, and I just figured I'd give Charlie a call and see what he thought about it, and we, you know, uh, worked some stuff out, and he was able to come over for the end of last year and, and the whole of this year, so he's part of the team with uh, us and Bruce Systems or whatever, so I think we're getting on pretty well. Yeah, we're on the road, uh, you know, it's, we live in the truck together, so things can get pretty tight at times. But, yeah, it's uh, great at the same time. It's awesome. Right on. Well, you, you mentioned yeah. roof systems before. How, how big of a help and support have they been to you? Yeah, they've, they've helped us out this year. You know, we've, they took us on as a part of the team. So uh, me and Charlie actually came together. You know, we, we were holding together as a team no matter what. So, you know, came forward and... We're talking with uh, Jerry and and Red and uh, Jesse and all them guys that uh, negotiated the deal, and uh, we're thankful to you know be a part of it. To be honest, because uh, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, super helpful for us to pull all deal together. So Atlanta was Atlanta was your best round of the year, but you've been running strong on yeah. the other you know all the other events so far. So um, I'm super impressed with how far you've came this year in such a short time. So um, you're sitting sixth in the points right now. Are you are you on track to achieve the goals you had set at the start of the year, or are you behind, or are you ahead? Well, the way we look at it, you know, me and Charlie have got some. You know, we're not we're not going for smaller goals. It's my third season here, and we want to train. You know, make an impact. So we're not quite at our goal yet, but we're. Uh, We've got a long year. We, I think, I think there's a few rounds that I might be able to excel at, especially. But gonna, you know, I've got the miles coming up. We've got uh, the strongest motorcycle I've ever had, so we've got, you know, a real good chance. And Woody Carl's working like crazy to to get things together, and uh, Woody's built as a, a powerhouse. So I'm looking forward to getting it out of Sacramento and uh, seeing what she's made of because we put so much time into building it all and. I, I know we we made a a fair bit of progress in, in different places, but we've got a we've got a few things to do to get where we want want to be anyway. So we're uh, we're running on to it, I think. Okay, I'm I'm really looking forward to you getting back at the Springfield TT where you got your podium. Um, what races are you most looking forward to for the rest of the year? I'm really quite excited for the next round in Paris because uh, I think it's a track that we uh, we might be able to gel with and uh, figure stuff out. But, uh, of course, 
you know, Springfield, I've, I've gotten there pretty good every time I've been. And I, I think this year we can be even stronger than we've ever been. So I, I think, you know, with Charlie being on board, me and him gelling and, you know, real good motorcycles, I think we can uh, I think we can do something there. I think Lima's going to be fun. Um, do you know what? I can't really say exactly which tracks I'm most looking forward to because I'm looking forward to all of it. You know, I'm taking race by race. We're not really looking too far ahead. It's it's one of them where I think I think we've got to be good at each track to, to hit the goal that we've set ourselves. So just trying to keep consistent, keep making men events and trying to put it in the top five week each weekend. And uh, I think the podiums will come if we keep at it. That's a great answer right there. I think that's the best uh, best answer I've heard on that question. Do you think, you know, since you came over here as an amateur and raced the Springfield TT and the short track and stuff like that, do you think that helped as you move it up into the pro class when you go back there now? Um, yeah, definitely, especially, especially the first time I went back to Springfield after being an amateur, um, I kind of knew what we were dealing with and what, you know, um, what we needed to do to go fast. And I'd, I'd spent a lot of time figuring out after amateur nationals, uh, how I could have gone faster. And, uh, I think I took that to the pro ranks and straight away from, you know, being an amateur to racing pro in Springfield. It was, uh, it was probably the most, e- you know, the easiest, um, yeah, the easiest transfer to a, a racing pro on that type of track anyway. So Springfield's a pretty special one, I think, for me. I did pretty good when I first came over to America uh, on 85s and stuff, and uh, I I think I excelled on the TT there. So uh, winning, you know, amateur nationals and stuff on the 85 or whatever. So, you know, to go and podium as a pro, at the same track was, uh, yeah, it meant a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to agree. And I, I really think it's just a matter of time. I think you're going to be on top of the box here real soon. You know, I think you, I can even see it happen in this season. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for you at the Springfield short track and the TT and, and you even did really well in Atlanta. It was pretty impressive what you did there, a completely different track, a really slick track and you handled it really well. Um, let's move on and, and talk about Anthony. Uh, we're going to talk to him in just a little bit, but some people probably never even heard of him. So what is something that you can tell us about Anthony before folks hear the interview with him? Yeah, Anthony's, you know, a real down-to-earth guy who who really cares about the, you know, DTRA being uh, a nice scene, you know. Everyone's respectful with each other, and he makes sure uh, it's that way. You know, he... Um, he wants the best for everyone, you know. He, he he really keeps his eye on me, you know. I I know people are doing their own thing, and it's hard to be up all night watching me racing over in America and you know over here because of the time change and all that and difference or whatever. So he's he's always been there for me when I you know he sends me good words all the time about you know keeping positive and trying to help me feel better about um, difficult. Uh, results and stuff but yeah but he's you know he's the foundation of the whole DTRA I think and he's he's uh, done a great job up to now of making it what it is now so I think everyone's uh, pretty fortunate to have him back at the Dirt Track Riders Association so it's good to have people like that in your corner that you know that will support you and stuff like that so it's um 
it's it's awesome to have that support. It, can he watch on Fan Choice Live and then send you messages and help you out during the race, or does he does he just wait until after or before the race? A lot of those get, you know guys from back home will be putting um, the Instagram stories and stuff like that up and trying to you know trying to get everyone in on it and help support me a little bit with words of wisdom and stuff. But he usually sends me a message after a race and stuff, and he you know. Uh, sends me positive thoughts and you know yeah yeah he definitely definitely has an impact on uh, my race in any way in his own way you know as a you know as a friend so yeah I mean everyone from back home uh, uh, they try to watch it on fans choice you know there's only a few that can make it through the night (laughs) so even my dad struggles with that at times I think yeah I bet Speaking of those people from back yeah. home, your family your family is over here for a little while. Are they still traveling with you, or do they go back back to England? Uh, they actually flew uh, flew back to England uh, a couple of days ago. My uh, my dad kind of messed up, and uh, he'd uh, you know chose the, some flights for him, my mum, and my sister. So they went to the airport in uh, Phoenix, and uh, they got there a day early. My dad said they were, they were supposed to be flying and tried to check in a day early. Oh, so, no. Yeah, so he was in big trouble, I think. <laughs> <laughs> with your mom or with his boss over there yeah. at home? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Probably my mom. Yeah. <laughs> my mom and my sister. Yeah. So yeah. the people the people are going to probably listen to this episode right now over there, over there in England. You want to say anything to anybody that's listening? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to you know tell everyone back home that it, you know all the the words that people pass on really mean a lot to to me, especially especially after a real tough night of racing because a lot of thinking goes on in the whole sport. And uh, I just want to thank everyone from the dirt track riders, even. You know, even people that support me in America, and uh, of course my family, all being supportive all the time and uh, keeping an eye on me, sending me messages, trying to call me at times. I don't call them enough, but I think it's just a case of time. Yeah, just thanks to everyone. Right on. Well, I appreciate the time tonight, and best of luck the rest of the season. And I'm gonna have you on again after you win your first AFT Singles main event in Paris. How's that? Oh, that sounds great. I hope to be back on here in a couple of weeks then. Sounds good, Oliver. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the time, and and, uh, good luck to you, buddy. Thanks, Guy. How can you not like Oliver Brindley? Like, it's not possible. That kid's awesome. I like the kid. I think we kind of put him on the spot, but, you know, I, I like... I like all the information he has. I think he's a great kid. I think he has a lot of followers, especially from over in England. But he's got a lot of fans over here in the United States as well. Yeah, cool. He had nothing but great things to say about Anthony, who we're going to hear from in just a little bit. And uh, and I got to say, man, he he may not be happy with the with the finishes he's had in the last couple of rounds, but I see a lot of improvement in this kid in like what his third full season, like you said, in Atlanta solid performance and uh he's excited to go to paris so i'm excited to watch him in paris well you know he's he's discouraged because a racer wants to win every race you go out to and that's not possible i mean even jared meese only won half the races you know but and who's on top of his game so i understand his frustration i cannot wait for this kid to win a race yeah that's gonna be great um and we're definitely gonna have to have him on now because just like when you promised uh briar bauman you're gonna run down and interview him you just promised ollie that you're he's gonna come on our show after he wins his first so, uh singles race so you want pencil in for two weeks from today 
It, I don't have any pencils. All I have is a permanent Sharpie. Okay, go ahead and write it down. <laughs> Who are we going to talk to next? You know, we, it's Johnny Lewis. We already talked about this. <laughs> All right, well, let's give him a call. He's at the airport. He's getting ready to get on a plane. We better hurry up. I do think he's only got like 30 minutes, so we're going to have to do this one real quick. So uh, let me dial him up. Hello? Johnny Lewis, what are you doing? Oh, just sitting at the airport. It's uh, about eight eight forty five here in uh, Orlando, flying over to uh, Europe. Flying to Europe, man! I'm so jealous of you. I like your schedule, but you're all over the place. So uh, we'll talk about why you're going to Europe in just a few minutes. But um, last time I saw you, you had a shovel in your hand and some blisters in Texas. But I want to go back <laughs> even further than that. Let's talk about Daytona. You were did did some consulting with uh, American Flat Track, and then uh, you actually had two riders riding your motorcycle, Jeff Ward which had been cool, and then Dalton Gauthier, who finished second. So let's talk about Daytona just a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say my winter's been pretty uh, pretty crazy. I think all the other professional racers get to train themselves and, and drink coffee and ride bicycles and stuff. And, and I've been just training riders across, you know, from, from road racers to, to, you know, flat track guys to, like you said, guys like Jeff Ward wanting to come out and try the flat track stuff. So it was uh, it was pretty neat. This winter, I, I went out to California and did a school, and uh, just so happens Jeff Ward's like, "Hey, I want to come out and do it." I'm like, "Well, come out. I uh, only I think I owe you for saving my life when I raced through moto." And he, he explained to me how to get through the whoop section. I think I was about 16, yeah. and so I, I kind of did my favorite. I said, "Hey, let's yeah, come out and experience it. Experience this." And uh, one thing led to another, and now he's, um, you know, he's got a couple two two nationals underneath his belt. He didn't make them make the mains yet, but. He's, uh, he's experienced and at 57 years old. So, uh, you know, that's been a pretty cool experience, you know, to kind of, kind of help guide him through everything. Um, you know, for Daytona, we built, built suspension, sent it out to him out in California, uh, through solid performance and then got that suspension. He liked it, put it on the bikes for Daytona. We prepped it and, uh, you know, had him ride underneath, you know, the boat anatomy, uh, solid performance KTM tent. And then, uh, you know, he ran through the, you know, race day with him. It was, uh, it was an experience, you know, just that guy like that, that has so much knowledge. Uh, you know, you, I felt like I was giving him a lot, but then he ended up giving me a lot, just, uh, just his approach on things. It was, it was pretty neat. So yeah, we had that. And then, uh, one thing led to another about three days before Daytona, I get a call from, you know, the, the famous Robbie Bobby and, uh, <laughs> Elton Dalton and, uh, they're like, hey, we, our bike's not done. You got a bike? And I was like, yeah, I have to put it together, but I got all the pieces and in my trailer. And we literally put it put it together the day before the race in the parking lot of the old Daytona short track. Uh, wow. Put his race bike together. So <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty neat. It was uh, you know had did that, but before all that, you know, like I said, I was pretty pretty pinned with schools. But then uh, you know the guys Cameron and Gene from AFT, you know, heard that. Hey, I wasn't racing, and they they know I have a lot of experience riding pavement and all that other kind of stuff. So they're like, "Hey, can you come test this track for us? You know, so we can, you know, put it to bed. You know, hey, this is not something absolutely crazy, and uh, we can we can run Daytona, you know, TT on the on the high banking and then into the infield. So went out and tested that actually twice, and uh, you know, I fell in love with it right away. And I was like, right then, first lap of the road, I had a big smile on my face. I'm like, damn. I should have not signed up for this job and I should have went racing myself, but in the end it, it turned out really good, you know, so I got to uh, kind of test the track, help, help that process. 
and then obviously got the guys on the bikes and uh, kind of helped, you know, Jeff Ward get the experience. And then, I mean, obviously Dalton on a stock motorcycle of mine that uh, it's a school bike went out and got second. So that was pretty amazing. Oh, well, that had to be really cool. I mean, working with Jeff Ward, you know, the legend, I think, you know, I've been impressed so far and, you know, learning, learning flat track, especially with groove tracks like Atlanta turned out. And of course, Arizona was really grooved out there. I think that was the only thing that was holding him back. You know, um, I think he, he knows how to do everything else with the racetrack, but just, you know, racing on a groove racetrack, it's got to be a lot different than what he's done, you know, riding a motorcycle, um, you know, doing some motocross. So I think that's the only thing that's holding back right now. I think he's getting faster and more comfortable with the flat track though. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I mean, he got in before Daytona, he got in on Friday. Uh, you know, the race was Thursday. He got in on Friday. We went and tested. And that was the first time he's ever rode clay. Before that, he's only ever ridden cushion out of Blackmore Ranch out in California. So he never rode clay before. We, we got him kind of activated to it, um, you know, understanding that you can't just send it in the corner as fast as you want. You know, you got to, you know, you got to race the racetrack and, uh, you know, kind of learning that. And, uh, you know, Daytona went pretty good for him. Uh, you're a second in a heat race and then third, you know, in, in the semi, he, he clipped it back to somebody, but he was definitely fast there. Um, you know, coming to Arizona, you know, I knew the track was going to be fast, but it, you know, it also took rubber really good. And uh, that's kind of what he said, talking to him uh, afterwards. Just I talked to him the other day. He said, you know, just, he's just understanding the setup, what to do to the bike when, when in that situation. And, you know, I have years and years of it and he was kind of out there on his own. I think uh, Frankie Garcia was just kind of lending him a hand and uh, they were kind of just, you know, just kind of putting it together. But he said the setup was the big thing. And, you know, that's, you know, as you know, everybody knows, flat track groove racing setups everything so absolutely i you know i'm i'm impressed with him i'm glad he's you know you know giving it a whirl and, and giving it a shot and i saw some other motocrossers say they want to give it a shot too so uh i didn't see you up at atlanta and at texas you were consulting again with aft and last time i saw you had your shovel in your hand you're working on the racetrack um a lot of challenges there but i thought the track turned out pretty good compared to the last few times we've been there yeah same thing i mean those guys over there at aft they they know, I mean, I'm, you know, just like everybody, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this, but also want to see a future uh, for the sport. Obviously, one, it's, it's my business with the, with the riders working with them and training them. But, uh, you know, also, I mean, if I'm not racing and I, I, I can't sit at home and see some of this stuff. So, they know, I'm pretty, pretty dedicated to this sport. Um, <laughs> some people wouldn't say that just because I, I don't race full time, but uh, my love for the sport and trying to see it grow is, is pretty big. So, when they called me about kind of helping with Texas, I mean, I knew it was, uh, you know, I kind of knew some of the struggles they have had. A track never gets raced on. I mean, two weeks before had grass or I mean, a couple of days before I got there had grass covering it. So, and then they got five inches of rain over like seven days. So, um, you know, that being said, like I know how the last two years were obviously Smith crashed right in front of me. So, um, and you know, broke his leg and then whole, you know, Bonzi went uh, trying to be an astronaut all that kind of stuff it was right in front of me and it kind of, you know, it didn't spook me, but it's like, man, as soon as, as soon as they say, Hey, can you come help with the track? I just knew like right away. I just, you know, something I needed to do. So, um, you know, they have a new guy helping with the, you know, running the equipment. Gilly is an amazing guy comes from Weedsport actually. And, uh, those cars knows how to grade the track in the process just, you know, doesn't understand, you know, hasn't gotten as much experience of uh, what to do in the situations and how quickly the, you know, the bikes need it done. So, they kind of asked me to come help with that. And, uh, you know, we got there. I mean, the track couldn't pull a grader on it. 
it was so soft. You know, the first thing we did, we just drove around for probably three hours with a with a side by side, just ripping it up with knobbies on the car uh, or with that, just to kind of aerate it a little bit. Then finally got a car on there. Finally got a pickup truck just to pack it down enough. And you know, we ran through a process. And you know, Gilly's like, "Hey, you know know how to run a roller?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." You know, I never ran a roller <laughs> in my life, but I went around there. I went around there for uh, two days and probably 16 hours. I mean, we were there from seven o'clock in the morning until dark every both two days that I was there. Um, I don't know if I even ate lunch. I just it was this new like, hey, the process. Then it rained one of the nights. We had to start over again and. You know, it's just it was an ongoing thing, but I was <laughs> I wasn't tickled with the track uh, right away. And, but we knew what we were coming to because when we couldn't water the track because it was so soft underneath, it was literally like playing with play-doh. So you know, you leave play-doh out too long, top crosses over, it's hard and it kind of holds shape. But then as soon as you push a little too hard or you soften up the play-doh, your finger goes through, and that's exactly how that track was. So we wanted to kind of get the track as hard as we could on top. We tried aerating it. It's just too soft. I mean, it just went for, for feet of clay. It's just soft, soft, soft. So we uh, we did that. We just let it get harder and harder. We knew we had to let it dry and try to, like, just take rubber. And then also with so much moisture underneath it, we knew the moisture was going to come up. So that was, like, the other thing. You know, moisture comes up in the evening. If, if we watered it too much, too much moisture was going to come up out of that track. And then, I, you know, from the night before, we realized, hey, it got slimy quick. You know, we overwatered it, you know, trying to trying to see what it would do. And it got like that slick slime where, you know, I think the racetrack would have been pretty, pretty sketchy. So we kind of had to chase that, like, hey, we got to be dry. I know guys were asking us, like, hey, you need more water on the thing. But it was that process that a lot of these guys don't know uh, what goes on. So that's that's what we were challenged with. So it was, uh, it was interesting. But by this main event, after we pulled the roller back out, we fixed some of the, the, the rough spots in three and four. I mean, uh, it was, I mean, I thought it was pretty, pretty damn amazing again. And I'm like, man, I wish I was racing this track again, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, nobody questions your dedication to the sport that I know of. I mean, I think you're, you're into it more than a lot of people ever will be in their whole life. And then it's really cool to hear the backstory of what it takes to get a track ready. I mean, you know, people will sit on the internet and badmouth how the track is but they don't have any idea what happened the week leading up to it. Like you just told us everything that you had to do. So I love hearing the backstory. Um, Arizona. Let's talk about that. I guess you saw my grandparents out there cause they came to check it out, but I didn't get to see you out there cause you already headed home. So tell us about Arizona. I thought, I thought the track was fabulous. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, a lot of these tracks we go to, you know, we always say, Hey, like, you know, that guy works the track. He knows the track, let him work the track. You know, and with American Flat Track, we kind of come in because, uh, you know, they got their own crew because they they usually don't work it for bikes. You know, we're working with horse tracks or we're working with a car track, and now we're working with a you know trophy truck track. You know, these guys are used to just hey, it's middle of desert, let's flood this thing and rip it two feet deep and send the trucks out there. Uh, we don't worry about dust, we don't worry about roots, we don't worry about rocks. Well, this track was like when I got there. You know, they they had water in it. They're, the guy was ripping it, and they had the, the the main guy there because we had to so we could start chopping the faces of the jump down, filling in low spots where the tr- trucks were digging in because just a week prior to that, they, they ran a truck race out there. So this track was, I mean, it was absolutely hammered. And, uh, uh, you know, we ran through the process. Great, you know, they had a D6 dozer knocking the jumps down, and then I'd go out and ride it. Oh, not big enough. We, I mean, too big. We got to knock it down a little bit more. 
all right, this spot, this spot. You know, we took all those rollers out because I knew the twins were going to have issues trying to shift through those rollers to get up into the last corner of the banking. So we took all those out. I mean, it was, uh, it was another, you know, we, we spent three or four days. I think we, they started Monday. I got, I got there Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I flew out Friday and they still were working on a Friday after some of the stuff we discussed. So, I mean, it was a five day process to get it to where it was at. And, uh, but man, I, I have to say, you know, I grew up racing, you know, flat track and then went to supermoto and then obviously came back to flat track. And I have to say that was one of the most fun tracks to ride. Obviously racing is different, but, uh, to ride, that was, that was one of the coolest experience. Cause, uh, you know, I had my lip throw in on my top of my head and, you know, it has a GPS tracking system. So I could see top speeds, I could see G forces. I could see all that kind of stuff. And it was, uh, I'm like, this is going to be badass, you know? So, and it did, it turned out obviously working with the desert, same thing, you know, that there's no moisture in the air. So you water a track, it's going to be wet and then it's going to dry up. There's no in between, you know? So we tried watering it and it took too long for certain spots to dry up and it was super slick. And then the other spots were dry. So once again, we we're like, best thing to maybe do is let this thing get hard drag those tires around that actually left rubber before we even got out on the racetrack before I rode the first day by myself, Moorhead drove that thing around. I went out and I was squealing tires, you know, by myself. Um, you know, then they got the dusters and dusted it off. And obviously there was things that we maybe could, I, I've been talking with Gilly and we've kind of running through different equipment, how to do it. But I think for the first time, I mean, that was much better than Arizona mile, not, you know, just, in the past, you know, how much dust it was and everything. Um, just an amazing experience, I think, for the fans. You know, the fan base was loving it. I, and then I also, I don't even heard, I haven't even heard of a bad a rider saying anything negative about it. I know it was, it was a little rough and, you know, yes, there was some stuff, but I mean, I think, I think just that alone says a lot for, you know, the opportunities the riders are getting right now and, uh, you know, the potential of, of the sport. And that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be haters, you know, one or two here and there, but I haven't heard one bad thing about it. And, uh, you know, there's a pretty big crowd for a first-time event. I, I can't wait to go back there next year. And like you said, you guys learned stuff, so maybe we can make it bigger and better next year. And, and the speeds they were carrying was so fast. So I, I was really impressed. Uh, are you going to be helping out any other tracks this year? Uh, they've been, you know, I've been texting those guys. I texted the guys all that night and uh, the next morning talking with Cameron, you know, Cameron Gray, the promotion side, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is all stuff that I'm into, all stuff that I, you know, want to see happening because I want to work with these, you know, future of the kids and stuff, you know, future of the sport. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's going to be, there's going to be, uh, some races that I'll be at, you know, solely doing that. Um, you know, after these last couple of races and seeing, seeing how fun it is, uh, it's not so much fun being a spectator, as you know, you know, especially I'm not yes. even 30 yet. And uh, right. so I think you might, you might see me when I get back from Europe, maybe do, uh, you know, a couple of these races and, and uh, maybe try to keep that national number 10 and, and see what I got. You know, I'm on a motorcycle all the time. So I think I can still ride a motorcycle. I know you can. So you said at the start when I called you that you're at the airport, you're getting ready to board. So we're trying to keep this short, but uh, where are you headed right now? Um, I should jump on a plane heading over to Netherlands. Um, they run a race over there. It's called, uh, hell's race. It's, uh, it's just a, you know, a group from Belgium, Germany. Uh, you've got the guys from the UK jump on a ferry with all their bikes and, 
and they drive their trucks on and they get everything over there. And uh, so it's, it's kind of this race they've been doing for a couple of years. They've also added, made it the European championship. So they started this, this year, Anthony Brown from the DTRA, which is like the, the British championship, uh, put together the European championship. So it's round number one for that. Um, so it's kind of, they're going to run their Netherlands, uh, I think Spain and England, uh, just three round little European championship with, uh, you know, with, with the mindset to grow it, you know, start small and build on it. Uh, so I'm going to do that. Do I fly over, I leave tonight. I land at, I think one, uh, 1 PM at their time, which is like 7 p uh, 7 p uh, AM my time back here in Orlando. Uh, they pick me up at the airport and I'm doing a school for the whole, uh, uh, the group that runs the track and then the promoter of the series over there, uh, right away from probably three till dark. <laughs> so I'm literally getting off airplane to a school. And then I got a school Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday's practice in a race over there. Then I'm going to jump on, a jump in one of the, the guys from the UK, jump in their truck, jump on a ferry, go back to England. And I'm over there for, for two weeks, uh, doing some schools. And then also, uh, a race at the end of the month. I mean, end of the trip, um, that I've been doing now for, for this will be my third or fourth year. So, uh, yeah, it's just trying to, Man. trying to grow the, the love of flat track and, you know, get these guys going faster. And, you know, their series over there is just growing in England is, uh, it's growing bigger and bigger. And it's, it's so neat to see, um, you know, it's also been pretty fun to kind of have influence into, into some of the tracks over there, like the Greenfield, um, George Pickering that has the Greenfield track. It's the only clay track in, in, uh, in England. So I've kind of helped with the process and, and every time it started grooving up or cracking or, you know, Hey, when do I get water on? When do I do this? What do I do? What kind of wheel packs do I use? I've kind of been that, that guy that he's used and it's cool to see a track like that come together. That's awesome. We're going to talk to Anthony tomorrow morning because of the time difference, like you just mentioned. So we're going to get some more information on what all he's got going on over there. So in your opinion, what's the difference between flat track in England and over here in the United States? Uh, you know, really it's just it, it, not much. I mean, not much anymore. Those guys love Rotexes over there. Just like all the, uh, uh, you know, all the old school guys or even me now, like I love jumping on a Rotex and riding it. They have, so many Rotexes over there. It's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny. They just keep accumulating them. Uh, I know that this, their, their amateur side of things is it's actually, when you talk to Anthony, he's a very interesting guy uh, and I love him. It's just his passion for the sport, his history he knows in the sport. I mean, you know, he could sit beside you at the commentating cause he knows just as much. And he's been over in England. He's, you know, he's, he's just a British guy, but he knows wow. so much about the sport and, you know, I actually think their amateur side of things over there, he actually runs, you know, one of the most professional amateur racing series in the world. So I think, uh, I think their structure is really cool. Their tracks are a lot of cushion, cushion, little speedway tracks. So that's the biggest thing they lack is, uh, just experience on tracks. You know, Oliver Brindley, before he came over on an 85, the amateur nationals, he's only ever rode a cushion track. And then, you know, a couple of years later after that, he still has only ridden a cushion track. So, uh, you know, that was just a whole learning curve for Ollie. And then, you know, to see somebody like Ollie, I mean, you wouldn't even think he's, he never grew up on clay. He's a, he's a very talented clay rider now. So I think, uh, I think there's, 
big passion. There's a lot of progression in, in the series over there. Uh, you know, they the way they run it, they have a you know they run a lot of stock bikes, uh, stock frames. Uh, they have a tire, the Dunlop tire spec rule for the pro class and stuff, and a lot of the amateur classes. So it's uh, it's very similar, and the guys are getting activated to you know if they do make the transition. So I think in the next uh, next few years, I think you'll see more. Uh, European guys that are racing that championship actually come over more. There's like there's a good group of guys. So, Who, who's the fastest guy over there that we should probably be keeping an eye out for? Uh, there's a kid, Toby Hales. He won the championship last year. He's uh, I'd say he's probably about 20 years old. Uh, he's a he's just a good old farm boy. You know, drives heavy equipment and and uh, you know he's he's best friends with uh, George Pickering, the guy that runs that that track over there. And, George actually runs a little race team on Kawasaki's over there. And he won the championship last year. Uh, super talented. He actually did like the super prestigio before and stuff. And he's just, he's been pretty young. Uh, he's coming through. Then I know there's two, um, two Spanish kids that, that race all the, you know, the DTRA races. And I know they're really fast. And then, uh, you know, Alan Burt whistle, actually has a, uh, a brother that races and he, he goes really good too. So, um, you know, there's just a, there's a, there's a good amount of guys like that. And then, like I said, there's, there's kids on 85 that are just, just ripping over there. So it, it's cool to be part of that. Like I said, and I think we'll see, see more of them come over here soon. Well, man, thanks so much for your time. Safe travels over there and enjoy everything you're doing and, and teach those kids. And I can't wait to see more of those guys come over here and race with us. So I appreciate what you're doing and uh, thanks for your insight. No, it's cool. It's always great being on your show and, you know, trying to share it. Cause like I said, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a love all we have, you know, all of us, but it's, it's starting to be more mainstream. And I think that's, uh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big thing. You know, we just kind of build that professionalism up out of everybody and, you know, worldwide. And, you know, I think, uh, I think the uh, possibilities are endless with what's going on right now. And like I said, these last couple of races have been pretty good and put a good show on for NBC sports and, you know, we'll just see what happens. Right on. So we're, we're done recording right now, but I got to ask you one more question. What's something we should ask Anthony or what something we should talk to him about? Um, Talk to him about, you know, he, he, he's starting the European championship. Um, and I kind of am a sponsor of it. So like whoever right. wins it, uh, is going to be able to, I have a bike for them to come over and race, you know, uh, wow. a T round or, or something like that. So that was kind of part yeah. of the deal, but That's you cool. know, he doesn't. Yeah. So, but he doesn't, you know, his series, he doesn't focus on, on the pros. Um, okay. I mean, he, he has a pro class that doesn't pay him. It's, it's all about club racing and building it. And that's what kind of I foresee what has grown his series because, you know, uh, you know, Steve Nace, hey, yeah, there's purse and it's more, it is amateur, but there's a lot of pro, like his, his bigger races, um, right. where, you know, his stuff is, is amateur and they have a pro class that's just kind of okay. part of the deal. Um, you know, so he really emphasizes on that. doesn't pay a purse, so that's why he's starting this European championship to kind of help that where maybe the money goes into, maybe where purses come, maybe, you know, he does, you know, guys maybe start to fly over there to go race, you know, from the States, you know, um, oh. I think that's kind of his, his vision on it all. So it's, uh, I think that's what's pretty neat about it. 
but what he does because every time I'm like, man, when are you going to just start adding money to the purse and getting guys over? He's like, I don't want to do that to my series. I want it to be an amateur series. So he's really that's headstrong cool. with that, and that's what yeah. I think, uh, you know, kind of build, building up everything he's got going over mm-hmm. there. Cool, man. Again, John, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Have fun over there, and uh, good luck. All right. Later. When I told you this episode was jam-packed. Yeah, like, you know, we talked, after we talked to him off the record, he can have his own podcast once a week telling us what he does three days out of the week and entertain us for an hour. All he has to do is turn on the voice memo on his phone and just talk about what he did for the last week and publish it. I mean, it's 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 amazing content. This guy is, if not the best, he's one of the best ambassadors for American Flat Track and what they're doing, not just in the United States, but look at worldwide. He's going you know, to the Netherlands. Now he's going to Europe and it's cool to see what he's doing and hats off to people like that who help promote our sport. Absolutely. So we better catch up with the next one, which is the meat of our episode, yeah. Anthony Brown. I know nothing about this guy. The only time I heard about the DTRA is when we first talked to Oliver Brindley. Um, and, you know, that was like a year and a half ago when we first started this thing. And I still really haven't found out a lot, you know, the class structure, like how they run their, their classes or what their races are like. So I'm really interested to hear uh, what Anthony's got to say about their series and, you know, maybe talk some American flat track with them as well. So DTRA is Dirt Track Riders Association, which is over in England, and they're expanding their series. They're really pushing it. They're making it grow. So I'd like to find out more information, so I better call him up. This is going to be a longer number. It's an international number. Let's see if we can do this. Plus four, four. That's, that's, that's the international dialing code. You know that? I had no idea. Here we go. I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, boy. Hello? Hello? Hi. Can I speak to Tony, please? I, it's, it's Anthony, actually. Sorry. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I was told to ask for Anthony or Tony whenever yeah, I call because you're, you're at work. That's right. Yeah. That's the, the I, I've got two names, you know. I got at work. Everyone calls me Tony, and then it's um it's it's Anthony when I'm when I'm at home or at the races. Okay. That's a little opposite what I would think. You know, I think a, a, a professional name would be Anthony and then a nickname be Tony. So it's just a little backwards for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of, it stemmed from when I, when I took my first job and I was nervous and nobody, I didn't want to correct anybody that was calling me Tony. So I, I, I let it roll and it's rolled ever since. I see. So you just stuck with it. I, I got you. So uh, I'd love to dive in and get to know a little bit more about you and then we'll talk about the DTRA. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, perfect. All right. So, where were you born? Um, I was born in Oxford in the UK, and I've lived pretty much all my life in Oxford. Oxford. What's it like growing up there? It's a um, it's a nice it's a small city. You know, it's a university city. There's loads of um, loads of students, young people. It's a nice place to live, and I kind of lived on the outskirts of town in the countryside a little bit. So it was um, it, it's a good place. You know, nice small place, good fun. Okay, so how did you get involved in motorcycles? Well, my my grandmother rode motorcycles. My my father rode motorcycles. Um, so I probably probably started riding motorcycles not too young, maybe like eleven, twelve years old, and I started racing probably at about the age of fourteen. Okay, did you when you first raced? Was it flat track or was there something else over there that you raced? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't flat track. No, um, I started off. Um, my dad brought me a 500cc two-valve Jawa speedway bike, and I started off straight off 
onto um, onto Speedway. Wow! So there was a there was a local practice track down by us. I used to go there once every couple of weeks and um, just have a have a ride around and and slowly got the hang of that. Okay, so how long did you race Speedway, or do you still race Speedway? No, I haven't raced Speedway for. I started when I was fourteen, and I probably finished up my last meeting when I was eighteen or nineteen. I didn't. I didn't do that for very long. You seem to get hurt quite a bit doing it, and um, okay. it was. Um, it was very. It's not so. It's not so big in the UK now as it was back in the in the late eighties and early nineties when I was riding Speedway, and um, it it was kind of a. Um, it was kind of something that I enjoyed doing, but when I started doing it a lot. I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I as as I thought I would. Okay, so what what made you transition into flat track, or how long have you raced flat track? Uh, I started racing flat track back in 2007 or 2008, and what it was, um, I I've got a friend who was working um, with uh, Kenny Roberts on the MotoGP team. And when they finished up in the UK, they, um, as a celebration of, um, of, 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 of finishing the, finishing what was going on here, they, they booked up on a, on a school and I got invited along on a school and I'd never, um, I'd seen flat track racing before, but I'd never ridden any. And, um, it kind of took me back to, to, to riding speedway and I thought, oh, this is pretty, this is pretty good fun. I'm going to have another go at this. So, um, the guys from the, the the guys that had been working with him all did this school, and they all went off and carried on. And I thought to myself, no, I'm I'm going to do some more of this. So I built myself a bike and and started racing over here in the UK. Okay, Johnny Lewis said that the road taxes are really popular. Um, what kind of motorcycle do you ride when you flat track? That's a good question. Yeah, I've, I mean, I started out with a um, with an SR500, a Yamaha, and then. Um, me and the guy that used to work with Kenny and uh, another guy called Jeff, um, we put together um, some frames based on dimensions that Kenny had given us and um, built some um, bikes that we called co-built um, framers, which were just basically Rotax framers. So we built around eight or ten of those now, and um, I've been riding one of those since, 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 since we built the first one of those back in 2008, 2009 got a couple of dtx bikes and some other bits and pieces that i still ride a little bit so still try to do a lot but but the organization side of thing keeps me busy too so it's kind of a balance between the two now okay so when you were you know growing up and 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 rate and getting started in racing what riders did you look up to oh for me uh, that um when i was growing up it was really about speedway riders so um I'd, I'd always be looking up to um, a big influence in the UK, and um, his his brother's son rides with us still today. Was Simon Wig, and um, he was a, a, a speedway and a long track and a grass track um, rider, long track world champion. He was a, he was a he was a big influence on me, and somebody that I always aspired to being like. Uh, you know, I like all sorts of motorcycle racing, so I've in the in the in the gap between the the speedway and the and the grass track that I was doing and before the flat track I was doing some um enduros and some rallies so there's some there's some really inspirational guys that do that sort of stuff as well so um even back to the the early Dakar riders and the and the more recent ones as well there's there's a whole bunch of inspiring guys that ride motorcycles and girls actually ride motorcycles 
Right on. You also raced motocross sidecar rider and as a passenger. I mean, did, did you not do anything on motorcycles? Sounds like you raced every form of motorcycles possible. Do you know, do you know that about the only thing I haven't done is I've never done any road racing, any tarmac racing. Everything that I've done has pretty much been on dirt. Um, yeah, I passengered a guy for maybe two or three seasons on a um, on a on a sidecar, and then I, I got my own one with, with my buddy, and then we went and um, did some um, enduros and some um, some motocross races and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the same way with you. I never did any uh, road racing, but I've, I've tried to look here, uh, some other stuff, but uh, never road race here. So we got that in common. So, what else did you do when you're growing up besides motorcycles? Um, mainly just it was it was anything that was outside. So mainly, if it wasn't if I wasn't riding motorcycles, I was um, trying to mend them, or I was trying to find fuel to to um, to um, run them. Or if not, I'd just be on my on my bicycle, BMX, or a mountain bike, or something like that. Just anything that involved wheels and, and being outside. That 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 would have been good for me. That's awesome. So. We're going to talk about the series that you run in just a moment, but what do you do outside of the racing series? Uh, so it's been pretty in the last three or four years. It's been pretty. Um, it's been pretty encompassing. Like it takes a, it takes a lot of time. You know, I, I, I travel a lot for my work. So and and for vacation. So I'm, I've I've been quite a few different places. I've tried to ride motorcycles as many places as I can all over the world. Um, but really, at the moment, like any spare time that I have outside of work, I'm just trying to sort out stuff to try and make people go motorcycle racing. And it's pretty rewarding, so I, I don't mind that, but it's, it's busy. You know, like it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job on top of having a full-time job. Well, what do you do for a full-time job? Um, I'm an engineer I'm making um, fiber optic components, so it's... Um, we supply we supply components to the guys that fit broadband. So when they come to the house with the with the meter, we make the stuff that goes inside the meters. That's that's what I do on a for my day job. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's interesting. So you are the director of the DDTRA, which is the Dirt Track Riders Association, the series in the UK. Um, tell us a little bit about the history of the DDTRA. Did it start with Speedway, or how did that this the association get started? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happened. There was um, there was some guys back, probably 2004, 2005 time, who um, were just loving the flat track riding out in the states and just wanted to set something up in the UK that was gonna that was gonna grow and um, and turn into something that was that was good. And there's a guy who will be familiar to some guys. A guy called Pete Boast who. Um, he um, he's ridden out there. He rode Daytona probably, I think 2007, 2008, something like that. A couple of UK guys that came out, and um, he set up a he set up a club called Short Track UK. And he started off with maybe five or six riders. He used to get some guys from Italy coming, some guys from Holland. It was a really small in Europe at that point, and um, he ran that for probably six or seven years till about 2013 and it grew in size and when I when I joined that club in 2007 2008 there's probably 40 or 50 riders and, and and when we started the DTRA which was 24 end of 2013 beginning of 2014 we started with about 
60 riders or so so it had grown you know year on year a little bit a little bit and it was hard it was hard work hard work growing it i think and pete kind of um burnt himself out doing it had enough of doing it and he said you know i've I think I'm going to stop doing this now. And I, and I was loving riding, racing so much. So I was just thinking, I don't really want to stop this. And I, I talked with um, with some of the guys that we were riding with, Gary Inman from Sideburn, and a guy called Dave Arnold, and a couple of other guys. And we all we we just said, let's 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 start a club. Let's let's keep this thing going. And we started with about 50, 60 riders. This year we're at 220 riders now. And you know, talking about um, you know running our first European series and that kind of stuff. So it's it, in the last few years, in particular, the growth has been a bit more, a bit more exponential than it was in the first few years. So, what roles have you held in the in the DDTRA? It sounds like you've done just a little bit about everything, and now you're kind of in charge, right? Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, even when we were running with 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 Peace Club, like there's 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 plenty of guys that there's plenty of guys that help out. My partner Anna, she's a big she's a big part of the DTRA as well. She um, she does a lot of work for us, makes everything look nice, and works with the designers and the people that do that kind of stuff. She runs all of the um, all of the sign up and the um, and the administration side of stuff. And um, for for me now, I'm just trying to I'm trying to get as many people as involved as impossible so that um, so that we we spread the load. And also just trying to look at, you know, the strategy of how we develop things and how we keep things growing. And so um, in, in 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 recent months, as well as, you know, making sure that everything's done correctly, I've, I've been trying to plan and make sure that as, as, as things grow, we, we know which way we're heading. Okay. When did you guys start running regular flat track events in the UK? So with Pete's school, it would have been, with Pete's, um, with Pete's, um, club it would have been back in 2005 um for the dtra we started at the beginning of 2014 okay how how has it changed in the five years since you've been involved it's just um we're growing pretty quickly you know like every year we see we see more riders and um it used to be we'd be struggling to fill some of the classes or we'd be we'd be wondering whether we were going to have enough people to run an event or you know is this class going to be worth running? And, and and right now, that's not the case at all. You know, if we, um, it's almost the other way now. It's almost like, um, have we, are we going to have enough time to put enough heats on for that, for, for that class? So are we going to be, you know, how many, um, how many vintage bike riders are we going to get? We started the vintage class 2014 with five or six riders. And at our last meeting, we had like 32 riders sign up. Wow. So Johnny Lewis, we talked to him before we, we before we talked to you, and he said that the main focus of your series is the amateur riders. He, he said you guys have a pro class, you don't have a big purse because you guys are more focused on the amateur riders. Is that true? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when um, when we decided that we were going to be a club, we looked at what sort of structure we could have to support, you know, to support the growth of the the sport. And one of the things that um, stood out to me was that if we ended up paying big purses to people, then we wouldn't have we wouldn't end up with any money to um, to promote and grow the sport. So for me, I wanted to make sure that the riders, all the riders, got good value for money, and uh, um, that people could go away having had a good day's racing and a good day's sport, 
and that we were moving things in the right direction. And I felt like it's probably it's probably the role of other organisations within Europe, like, for example, the Super Prestigio that ran a couple of times, those sorts of things, or one-off events where we can say, right, we'll put a purse to this or we'll do this. But for the for the everyday, you know, for the month on month race meetings that we run. Sometimes we'll have a we'll have a small pro purse, but we're not trying to run a, an event that people can can make a living from. We're trying to promote flat track sport within Europe and trying to grow it to, to a stage where we've got enough people feeding into it that we can start to um that we can start to feed into a, you know, into a pro lineup like you guys have over there. Okay. You just explained a few moments ago that the, the DDTRA is the biggest in Europe, 220 riders in 2019. Do all the riders travel to all the races or do you have, you know, different riders that show up periodically? I mean, like here, uh, there's the Grand National Flat Track Series and we seem, seem to have the same riders, but then there's on, on the amateur level, it's probably more like a Steve Nace uh, you know, the all-star national flat track series. And depending on where you're at in different regions, you may have different people show up. So my question, I guess, uh, do all the riders travel to all the races? No, we have a, I mean, it's a, it's a bit similar to you guys. We have, we have a majority that perhaps do. And then we have, so um, then we have some that, that, that perhaps don't. So we'll have a core probably core 120 to 130 riders that will go all over the UK for sure. And the UK is, you know, it's, it's the worst, the worst would probably be a five or six hour drive for those guys. You know, somebody who lives, we've got a guy, um, a mountain bike, ex mountain bike rider guy called Kai. He lives right down in Southwest of the UK. And for him to go up to our round in red car, which is in the North, the, the North East, that's probably, uh, seven eight hour drive and that's probably the the biggest drive within the uk that, that any of our riders have so we get pretty good we get pretty good support through all the rounds for the european rounds um that remains to be seen because some of those guys can we can end up with you know more like 24 hour 36 hour drives for some of those guys so um, i'm i'm looking to I'm, I'm interested to see what sort of support we get for that and i'm hoping that um this is the first year for that and i'm hoping that we'll grow that and we'll we'll we'll, we'll reduce the number of rounds we'll have just a few rounds that are at key big events and then hopefully we'll get people to travel for those too well talk about the changes to the championship i mean uh you, there's several different cities several different tracks you go to so anything else different in the you know the race for the championship the um the the yeah we, i mean we travel over the uk and we're really lucky here because because of the history with speedway you know until in the 50s and 60s after soccer speedway was the biggest um was the biggest sport in here in the uk so we've got a lot even though they're on the decline now we've got lots of speedway tracks so we can run at you know loads of different cities so um for that we're really lucky the 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 the, the, the minor side of that is they're not they're not you know proper dirt tracks but that it's, it's different you know it's di different surfaces at different places some of them are really well groomed some of them not so much so um in the last few years we've been trying to run um we've we've been trying to run where we'll run our pro program or our pro am program on the saturday night and we'll try and run those under floodlights if it's a venue that's floodlit and then we'll run all of our other classes um the use the vintage the mini bikes the thunder bikes our rookie riders we'll run all those on a on a sunday so we, we end up with a two-day 
with a two-day meeting, you know, with a camp out and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's changed in the last couple of years, and that's changed because of the volume of riders that we've got. That's cool. I like that. That sounds like similar what they do or, you know, have done here before in the past. You know, the big, you know, the big pros will draw the big fans on Saturday night and then, you know, a lot of the amateurs will show up and race on Sunday. It sounds like the same thing over here. So uh, just like in the United States over there, it sounds like Indian Motorcycle is the title sponsor for the last two years, along with Dunlop as a control tire. Um, are the Indians dominant over there? You have very many Indians racing your series. Yeah, we don't, you know, because most of our tracks are speedway tracks and short tracks, we don't have, we don't really have, we don't really have much in the way of twins. The only, um, the only stuff that we run like that, well, the only stuff that we run the Indian bikes in would be the hooligan classes. And again, you know, we've tried to, um, we've looked really closely, you know, I'm a big AFT fan and I've been a flat track fan for, for ever since I watched on any Sunday. So I, I've really tried very hard to make sure that we, um, that we emulate what you guys do over there. The, the area that we can't do that in at the moment is with the, um, is with the, with the twins racing. We're on most of our, most of our short tracks are sub quarter mile and um it's it's difficult it's difficult to get interest we have a thunderbike class um which is 600 cc and above so we run the road taxes in those and some people run harleys and indians and stuff like that but um for us the especially for the pro riders it's all about singles and you know that's how that's how ollie's um ollie's come through and some of our other riders have come through we're just concentrating on the um on the singles classes Okay. One thing I thought was really interesting about your series is the number of females that you have, the, the women's class, you have 14 in the sport right now. So is there a program where you recruit these riders and, and what's that called? Yeah, we've, we've, we've done really well in the last two to three years with, um, with getting new female riders on board. And we've done a couple of things. We've teamed up with some, um, with, with some girls called uh, VC London and we've got um, one of our probably our, our best known and um, fastest female riders, a lady, a lady called Leah Toklove, and she's um, she's also riding Indi um, hooligans for Indian um, for the last couple of years too. And those guys together, Leah's put together a, a women's only school where she takes people um, who from people who haven't ridden bikes through to people who've ridden bikes but want to want to try flat track for the first time. And we've done a scholarship program with them where we can say, you know what, if you've if you've enjoyed this, come along, come and have a ride at the at the next round of the DTRA for free. We'll we'll, we'll bring you in, and um, you, you know you'll see that it's good fun, and you'll see that you know that, that you're welcome, and all of that kind of stuff. And that's just worked really well. And we're up to um, yeah, we're up to around 14. Now. I think this year we started three new youth, um, three new girls in the youth classes as well. So it's just. It's just every 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 meeting we see a new pretty much we see a new a new face, so that's yeah. going really well right now. That's awesome. I, I follow Leah on uh, social media, and I see that she's over here in the states right now, and it looks like she's having a blast riding a lot of different things and and checking out the United States. Yeah, she's been over for the last. She was over last weekend. She's just I think she's either on the plane now or back now because she's she's riding pros and hooligans um, in Holland this weekend. Okay. All right. Do you have local races outside the DTRA series? You know, in the States, we call those outlaw races. Do you have them there? And, and what are those races called? 
Yeah, we've got we've got two or three in the last two years. We've got two or three different clubs that have started running um, running their own series, um, and it will normally be some. It will normally be speedway speedway tracks. So it'll be a speedway promoter or a speedway track that's not being used a lot during the week, and then they'll say, okay, we'll run a we'll run a Saturday series where we'll run you know five events in you know during the summer months or something like that, and. Um, I'm really trying to encourage that because I'd like it to be the, like the national championships and I'd like people to think of it as the pinnacle for, for, for the UK and Europe. I think what's really important is that people need the opportunity to ride more than you know once a, once a month or once every six weeks. So for sure, the more people we get underneath us running those, um, running those meetings, yeah, the, the, the better it is. All of the, all of the stuff is governed by, by similar organisations. We, we, we run under the um, MCF, which is like a, a governing body, just like the um, AMA would be. There's there's some other ones in the UK too, but it's kind of it's kind of not got necessarily got that same kind of outlaw feel that it has to um, when when you go and ride a, um, a a race in the US. Okay, you mentioned that most of the racetracks are on the the smaller, you know, like quarter mile size tracks. Then you mentioned the long tracks. Is that is that what you call them, the long tracks? How how long are those racetracks? Yeah, I mean, in the UK, the the um, the the biggest one we have here, we've probably got a couple of half mile tracks that we can use. We've got one that we're using, we've been using for the last two or three years that we visit annually. But over in, um, you know, there was a, there's a big history in um, in Europe, in particular, of um, of long track racing, which is kind of like speedway, but they run um they run um, rear suspension and they run a brake and they run a two-speed gearbox and so they can run they run really big tracks um we've ridden out in a place called mariansky lasny in the czech republic that's a um that's a one kilometer so a little bit under a mile and we rode one in uh, a place in northern holland called Groningen, and that was um that was 1.2k so really close to the mile and they're deep they're, they're, they're more like uh, what you guys would describe as kind of a pea shingle or a, they're, they're deep tracks. One track I'd like to hear a little bit more about is is Greenfield. Johnny Lewis talks about it. I see it on the Internet a lot. So tell me tell me more about Greenfield. Yeah, that's 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 probably um, probably my well, it is my favorite place to ride in the UK for sure. So. Um, one of the pro riders that's been riding with us um, since we started, called George Pickering, he's a he's a farmer from North Lincolnshire, not very far away. He's pretty close to where Guy Martin lives, actually. That, it's a very it's a very um, very rural, flat area of the UK, and um, he built a little practice track about four years ago now. And um, it was just when Johnny first came out, actually, and Johnny rode that little practice track, and and George said, next time you come back, we're gonna we're going to have a bigger track and we marked one out and he, he, he spent a lot of time with his buddies and loads of machinery and, and, and built, built up a, a natural dirt oval, which is just, again, just under quarter mile. And he's put a TT in there as well. So we use that, we use that track a lot. We use that twice a year in, in our series. We use it once with a TT and once with an oval and, um, Leah runs her, um, training schools there and, um, we do all sorts of stuff there, and um, Johnny's going to be running his schools there in the next um, week after next. And it's just a fantastic facility. It's really for us. It's our um, opportunity to ride um, a groove track, because as I say, most of the speedway tracks, it's difficult to get them to to groove up. So um, 
that's something that for if you, if uh, the riders who haven't ridden in the states before, that's something for them to experience that they that they won't experience at a speedway track. But um, it's really um, George's dedication to building that track, and then his dedication to running. He, he's running a he's running a five rider team this year um, with um, some Spanish riders, um, some youth riders. Um, his dedication to that has really grown the sport in the UK, and um, it's just a fantastic facility. Awesome. I mean, it's it's great to hear all the you know the similarities and the differences you know between your series and and what we have over here in the United States. Um, recently, you guys just kicked off the 2019 season. Where was the first event, and how did it go? Oh yeah, we had a cracking event. We were um, we were in the kind of in the east of England, a place called Kings Lynn, and it's um, it's a really good, it's a really well-known speedway track. They run they run some 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 world championship events there. They also run stock cars there. You know, it's very similar to, to how you guys do stuff. But it was a really um, really good event. We had just under 200 riders in total um, over two days. Um, our pro event was some of the best racing I've seen for a, for a long time. Actually, we um, we had uh, three guest riders um, from Spain, two that were on George's Greenfield team, and another wild card rider that we that we brought over to um, to, to to mix things up a bit. And our current um, our current num- national number one, a guy, a young guy called Toby Hales, he was um, he was running really well in the in the heats, but he. He just made a mistake on the. He got bunched up on the first corner of the final and, and, and went just laid it down. Ended up at the back, and it was um, it was another English guy, a guy called Gary Burtwistle, who, who won that, and then um, two, in fact, three Spanish guys behind him. So um, Ferry, a Spanish guy called Ferry, came second, and then uh, Gerard uh, Balo in third place, and another guy called Frank Serra. All of those guys are guys that have. The, the, if you'd seen the Super Prestigio, you'd have seen riding there before. So um, yeah, it had a really international feel. We had some some Dutch riders, we had some French riders, some um, a load of UK riders. Perfect weather, really nice, really nice start to the season. Man, I've heard a lot of those names you just said before, you know, and I don't know if, you know, I know some of those guys have made the trip over here to the United States and, and, uh, you know, I did the Super Procedio a couple of years ago in Spain. So, uh, it's cool to hear the same names and you're talking about them and, and right here. And, uh, the one that comes to mind is, you know, you said Burt Whistle, but you said Gary Burt Whistle. And I know, I think I know an Alan Burt Whistle. Are those that's two brothers? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, um, Alan Alan's been out to the to the US a bunch, and certainly when Ollie first started coming out, um, I mean, I, I remember seeing um, Alan qualify for the main event at Daytona, and I know he's qualified for some other main events as well. Um, and so, yeah, his little brother Gary's been riding with us almost as long as Alan actually, and he's 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 pretty much on the similar pace to Alan now. I would say he 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 checked out in our, in the first final by the end of the. By the end of the 25 laps, he was a he he was a good straight ahead of um, of the the next rider, which is was the Spanish rider Ferry. So he's also been riding hooligans over here, and he 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 did the double actually. He won the he won the hooligan um, the hooligan race as well on, on on the same night. So yeah, he was he was a busy rider. Do you guys over there keep track of the riders that are racing over here, like like Oliver Brindley and like you mentioned, oh, you know, sure. Bert Whistle came over here and raced with us. So, oh, do you, for sure. Okay. 
you you watch yeah. the series on on yeah, fans yeah. choice yeah you know like like when when i picked up the phone to you scotty i was thinking you know it's a familiar voice you know we're, <laughs> we're 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 we've got there's a whole load of us tuned in watching watching from the uk and especially especially if we know we've got uk riders over there um if it whether it's ollie or whether it's somebody else you know like there's a ollie came back to um to um the uk after after last season and um once we'd um we, we he came to our awards dinner you know we made him guest of honor we, he he um he presented all the awards to, especially to the you know the younger riders to to give them some inspiration you know we're we're right behind them over here and everybody's um everybody's pulling everything together that they can to support him and to make sure that um to make sure that that he knows that we're all behind him as well. Man, that's awesome. I mean, I I love that our series is drawn, you know, riders from over there and, you know, Australia and Canada and stuff like that. Um, Johnny mentioned Toby Hales. You mentioned him just a few moments ago, too. Do you think he's the next rider to come over here and try the the circuit on on the United States soil? Oh, for sure. It's It's only a matter of time before. We've got two or three riders. We've got Gary. We've got Toby. Um, and we've also got some of those some of those Spanish guys for sure. Uh, you're going to see some more of those guys soon. And you know the whole deal with this European Championship is the, the program that we've put together with Johnny is the um, who, the the winner of of the of the three European rounds. We're going to get them. We're going to get them over to the USA and riding with you guys. So um, so that for sure you're going to see another rider before the year end. That's awesome. I, I love that. So um, there's also some United States writers that have ties to your series. I know Chris Carr, Dave Aldana, Sammy Halbert, Sandriana Shipman, Brandon Robinson, Colin Edwards, and you know Johnny Lewis. I know there's more people, but how how cool is it to have some of the American writers come over there and, and ride in your series? Oh, it's, it's it's the best. We love it. You know, um, we've had we've had um, we've we've had a history of having people over, and it just helps to it helps to promote. It helps. All those little bits of knowledge and the things that you know that you pick up. You know, I've been to the I've been to race meetings over there, and there's things that you see and you think, well, why doesn't people in the UK do that? And you know, and people get the opportunity to speak and ask questions, and you know, whether it's whether it's asking um, Aldana about crazy stuff he did, you know, 20 years ago, or whether it's trying to get set up off of Sammy or whatever it is, that interaction and that bringing people together is is a really nice thing and um you know our our riders get i mean we get excited when we get riders from europe coming over let alone riders from the usa so i I, we just always try and make sure that um that we've got people coming over so this year as you know we've got we've got johnny's over in holland now and he'll be with us soon then we've got um sandriana's coming over because we run an annual an annual weekend which we call dirt camp it's an all-female all female event she's coming over to hang out and uh, hang out with the girls with that so that's happening and, and there'll be somebody else we'll, we'll find another person to to talk into coming over before the year end for sure uh one of the riders that i think you should have over is peron Cardus. uh when he comes over here you know i love saying his name and he's a he's a yeah. hard charging rider he's very good yeah for sure i mean Ferran, he's he's um he's super busy um you know he 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 he's tied up with um with some tracks over in Spain and stuff and for sure we've got a guest bike over here and it's only a matter of time before we before we see him um riding in the UK um it's going to happen for sure 
Okay. So what does the future hold for the DTRA series? That's a real good question. My feeling is that we can continue to grow the series and um, we've still got the capacity to do more. I want it to, what I really want to do now, the reason for starting the um, European series is I want to start to pull together. There's all these pockets, you know, you've got the guys in the Czech Republic, you've got the guys in Poland, you've got the guys in Holland, in Spain, in Italy. They're all running these there's all miniature versions of the DTRA all around Europe. And what, what, what my goal is to do is to try and pull that together a little bit now so that we can start to see, you know, we've got five or six good riders in each of those regions. And when we pull them together, all of a sudden we've got, you know, a really good pro, a really good pro series. So my goal over the next few years is to try and develop that, um, develop that European aspect of things to try and um to get as many riders from europe as we can um competing at a level which is similar standard to 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 you guys compete over there so and alongside that i hope that that will continue to inspire the people below you know the the people that you know we've got we've got loads of guys in there in their 30s and 40s who are revisiting racing or perhaps, you know, revisiting motorcycles and those guys are coming to see us. And what's really key to me is how do we find the next Oliver Brindley or the next Toby Hales? And our youth our youth program, I'm hoping, is going to continue to provide that. And it's growing every year, you know, like we've, we've got more youth this year by nearly 30% than we had last year. How many rounds do you have this year, 2019? So seven rounds this year, it's uh, one a month, and we have one round where we run two days back-to-back, and it counts as two. So for a half-mile track, there's a lot of preparation that goes into making that ready. It's a horse track, so there's a lot of preparation to make that ready to race for us. So once we've got it right, we run it for two days. But other than that, it's, it's around a month, basically. Okay. So we're already at the very end of our episode, and this is where it's Graham's question. I'm not sure if you've listened to our podcast, but that's my grandma. Oh, She's yeah. a huge, huge flat track fan. She's planning on going to uh, probably more races this year than I will, and that's pretty amazing to me. But uh, she wants to know what is the difference in the dirt on the tracks that you guys race as to compare to what we race over here in the United States? It's really dependent, and you know there will be some that's similar, and there'll be some that's completely different. But I'll tell you some. I'll tell you something that's pretty cool. We have um, George at Greenfield in particular. He's like a he's like a dirt pervert, and he will he will collect dirt. So he's got little jars, and he will like he's got Springfield dirt. He's got um, Super Prestigio dirt. He's got um, he's got dirt from all over the world, and he'll look at it and analyze it and try and work out what content is what what content it's got and what's what's more of this and what's more of that. He had dirt analysis done at his um, his own track a few a few a few months back to try and work out whether he needed more clay, less clay, how to make it better. Man, I love that. I might have to steal that term right there, dirt pervert. I've never heard that. We call it like the dirt wizard or the dirt guru over here, yeah. but I might have to use that one. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's him. <laughs> that is perfect, man. So we're at the end of the episode where it's time for our rapid fire questions. We don't have very many because I didn't know much about you before we started this conversation. But uh, So tell me the first thing that pops into your mind. Are you ready for the rapid yep. fire questions? I'm good to go, yeah. All right. What is your favorite motorcycle that you've ever ridden? My Rotax. 
Okay. Is it, I got asked this question. It, mine, mine is actually choked down right now to a 505 because that's that's the way the rules were when I wrote it last. What size is your Rotax? It's a it's a 600. Okay. All right. And is it in the frame that you built, or is it? Yeah, yeah. A frame? Yeah. It's in, okay. It's one of our co-built frames. Yep. Nice. Okay. Had to go a little bit off on that question. So, yeah, what no, is your favorite? Good. Okay. What is your favorite racetrack? Um, I'm gonna say Greenfield. Okay. Who is your favorite American rider? Oh, I'm gonna say Johnny. Okay. All right. That's good. That's fair. I I, I like that. Um, what's your favorite place to visit when you come over here to the United States? Um, California. Okay. Um, Do you have a. I've, I've ridden ahead. to Paris a couple of times, and um, those guys are super welcoming, and um, that was really nice. I've, I've also ridden up at um, Castle Rock a couple of times, and um, that'd be my um, that'd be my second favorite track. That's the uh, that's the second track I've only ridden in the UK and US, so maybe Man, maybe I, I'm biased. I'm jealous because I go to the Paris Short Track the night before the National. And I've been out there a couple of years, and that is one of my favorite tracks. And they they kind of keep it dug up and moist, kind of like your tracks. I'm uh, assuming, right? Yeah, it was. Um, I had to, I've raced there a couple of times, and both times I've had the best time. Those guys looked after me well, and um, just, just it's, it's nice. It's warm. It's so, very different to a uh, very different to riding late at night in the UK. That's for sure. Okay, what did you think of Castle Rock? Oh, it, that was fantastic. Um, we didn't run the we didn't run the mains there till late at night, and I just had the I had the best time there. It was um, we we were running a we ran an event there called Dirtquake a few times, and. Um, with the guys from Cyber Magazine, and I got the opportunity to ride the the club meeting on the Friday night there. I just had the it was the best time. I I really enjoyed that. So you rode the short track and and the TT. It sounds like just the just the short track. Oh, okay, all right, that's cool. So you did you, you said you follow our series. So who's yep. going to win our AF, AFT Singles Championship this year? Oliver Brindley. Man, <laughs> I, I figured I'm you'd loyal. say that. I, I I got it. I, I'm I'm glad you said that. I love that. I, I I think he's getting faster and faster now. He's been to these tracks a couple of times. He's got some help yeah. over here in the United States. He's got a mechanic that knows the uh, tracks a little bit. I think that's definitely helping him go the right direction. Oh, for sure. I mean, for um, for for me, it, it just seems like um, he's he's at such a disadvantage to start with because you know last last season in particular, you know, he's going places that he'd never been before and. And most of the other people, most of the other places, people have been before, and it's just such a learning curve for him. And I know that he's got the uh, the ability and the, and and the the right mental attitude, and you know, and the, doing the right training and everything else. He's going to get there. It's just a matter of matter of time. Yeah, he's a, man. He's an amazing kid, and what a great family. And I just I can't oh. imagine doing what he's doing. You know, going to a, a foreign country and staying for, you know, seven or eight months and, and racing all the time, man. I just, I think it's great. And, you know, everybody over here really loves him. Yeah. You know, his, his family are amazing and his, he, he's got a really, there's, there's a massive racing heritage in, you know, with, with, with his dad and um, all the stuff that, that he achieved. And um, he, he, he's going to do it. It's just a question of, um, it's just a question of time and, um, uh, and building up his confidence and, um, and just sticking at it, but it's a massive, it's a massive ask for somebody of that age to be over in a foreign country, like you said, doing doing what he's doing. And I'm just so proud of him. He's just doing such a great job. 
Yeah, I'm proud of him too. And I, I tell him that whenever I see him and, and uh, man, I just love that he's over here giving it a whirl. So the last question in our rapid fire, who's going to win the AFT twins championship. Oh, that's a tricky one. I'm going to say it's going to be, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to say it's going to be Jeffrey Carver. Wow. All right. He's going to have to turn on the gas. He's going to have to turn on the gas, but he's going to do it. Okay. All right. I love that, man. This is, this has been a great episode, and I really appreciate you taking time to, you know, away from your work to, to talk to us here on Off the Groove. And we're at the very end of the episode, and, and here's your chance to say thanks to anyone. Would you like to say thank you to anyone? Yeah, for sure. First first of all, I'd like to say thanks to you guys for having me on. I mean, it's, it's a massive honor, and I'm really, really pleased. Thank you. I've got to say thank you to, um, to India Motorcycle for, for looking after us again this year and to, um, to Dunlop Tires. And um, I'd like to say thanks to all of the guys that support us. I've got Gary Inman at Cyburn Magazine. Um, he's a massive supporter of ours. I've got um, Anna, my partner. She she just does everything for us, and she's a great lady, and I really appreciate everything that she does. There's um, Mark Blanchard at 100%. There's Dimitri Cost. There's the guys at Bike Shed. Johnny Lewis, obviously. All the guys in Europe and the guys at Wheels and Waves who are letting us run our events this year. Um, there's there's VC London, the ladies that provide all of the female riders for us. There's Jeff Wright at Church of Choppers for our logo. There's Roy at MCF, who are our, our federation that we run with. So all of those guys, a big thank you. Awesome. Anthony, I really enjoyed uh, getting to know you and learning more about your series. And uh, I'm glad you're a big fan of American Flat Track. And I'm glad you knew who I was. That makes me feel special. Oh, for sure. You know, you're you're a regular, you're almost a bi-weekly feature in our house, and we we get the laptop out and um, and tune in and watch Fans Choice and and cheer for Ollie and all the other guys too. And you awesome. know, it's, a, it's a massive privilege. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you very much, Anthony. Nice to speak to you. Thanks a lot. Anthony Brown. There's Anthony Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, I loved it, and his yeah. passion for the sport. You can definitely hear it and just the way he talks about it how much he loves flat track yeah it's great and you know the fact that he's a what's it fifth year over there he's fifth year um with that series he's doing big things they're making some big changes getting some big sponsors on board and uh i like the approach of focusing on the youth and the, and the younger generation in the series always love my pro race but I, I i like the the idea of investing in the younger generation because you know they are going to be the pros before too long anyway right oh yeah absolutely they're the next you know the next jared beast they're the next yep. brian smith so they got to start them when they're young and work their way up through the ranks get them used to going to races it's it sounds like it's very similar to what steve nace does with his amateur program yeah not his all-star races but his amateur races you've been to a couple of those also what i liked about anthony is they've got a strong women's class yes 14 riders that are that are running the entire series they've got people that are helping bring the ladies into this sport yeah um i know over here we just have a few females you know sandriana shana texter and that's about it right now yeah. and, you know we've only had a few big games before them so i like that maybe we'll see some of those ladies come over here and race with our boys yeah it's cool to hear him say too that they kind of look uh look over to us too to kind of see what's what's next in flat track but you know i think we can also learn a couple things you know from from them as well on and uh you know anything that grows flat track on on, on the world stage we're all about it
Dude, if, if we ever get a chance and we need to go over there, I want to check out Greenfield. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. We, I think we... It, it looks awesome. Yeah, it looks... Uh, he After he talked about it, I Googled it and checked it out as well. It, I think it's definitely got to be added to our bucket list, which is ridiculously long now at this point, but why not? Absolutely. Might as well throw it on there. We'll have to get... You know, maybe maybe when the Super Procedure comes back, which is supposed to come back this year, but over in Paris, maybe we need to make an extended vacation and, and you don't have to go with because we're going to have to do the show live or something over there. You don't have to twist my arm, brother. You don't have to twist my... Ah. You don't have to twist my arm, brother. Um, this week, you're going to go watch somebody jump a motorcycle. Not just somebody. Yeah. A rock star. You're right. His name is Bubba, is Bubba Blackwell. I've heard of that They've guy. got billboards all over the place. Yep. So it's in Laurel, Mississippi. It's in downtown Laurel, Mississippi. I'm sitting in a hotel room right now getting ready to uh, head on over there and get it all set up and get ready to go. Um, they're, they're shutting down the streets. It's going to be awesome, and I cannot wait. Are they live streaming this thing? Can anybody watch it somehow? What are we doing? I haven't heard yet, but prob- probably give Bubba Blackwell a follow, especially on his Facebook page. I know his, uh, his girlfriend or, I guess, fiance. they get married yet? I don't even know. She'll be there, and she'll have Facebook, so I'm sure they'll be posting some stuff. If it goes live, they'll, they'll do it on his Facebook. Badass. Um, well, enjoy the quote-unquote off weekend, and uh, we'll talk to, you, talk to you again before, uh, before we head to Paris. All right. Everybody smash that like button. Tell all your friends and give us a follow, and I'm really excited to have this international episode in the can. I cannot wait to hear what all the people over in England think. We've had a lot of followers. Super excited about it. Hey, Scotty, I got to go, man. I just got a, a, a new hat delivered to my door. A new hat? Yeah, it's uh, it's Dalton Gautier's hat. I just bought one of those things. Just busting your chops, Scotty. Have a good ah, week, brother. Ah, ah. See you later. Later, bro.